Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 203 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, every once in a while, you know, you get thrown a curveball. And I had another interview. Uh, this one, as you'll figure out pretty quickly, was done live at the Orange Conference. So the end of April every year, actually next year, it'll be end of April, early May. We do a couple of events back to back. We do the Rethink Leadership event for senior leaders, uh, senior pastors, campus pastors. We also do the Orange Conference. So there's over 8,500 people who attend in Atlanta and I had a, an interview scheduled with uh, another leader who was uh, supposed to be there. And then, you know, wires got crossed, didn't show up. Sam was going to be on my podcast anyway. We're texting like mad because I was going to do this thing live. Some of you watch this and uh, try to figure out who's going to replace this, you know, guy who, who, who couldn't make it or we got our wires crossed. Anyway, Sam Collier came to the rescue and I've known Sam for a while. So this interview was filmed there. Uh, Sam, thank you. I owe you for life uh, for filling in. We actually ended up with an amazing interview. Uh, Sam talked a lot about uh, growing up without a lot of the privileges that you would expect in America. He also talked about trying to figure out how to build a platform in, uh, well, he's got a phenomenal platform. And uh, also he's got a brand new book called Find Your Voice that we talk about. So uh, if you're interested in platform, if you're uh, ever cheered for the underdog, um, you're going to love this conversation with Sam Collier. He's become a great friend. And uh, yeah, again, thanks, Sam, for filling in. This is, uh, I want to, next year, I want to get into more live podcasting. So uh, this is one attempt in that direction. And there was a small live audience who had gathered and we had broadcast it live actually on the uh, Orange Conference stream. Uh, so a couple of things I want to talk to you about today before we get started with the interview. First of all, thank you to everybody who signed up to be part of my launch team for my brand new book, Didn't See It Coming. If you have not yet signed up and you would like to be part of it, we will see if there is still room for you. So head on over to kerryneuhoff.com, click on Didn't See It Coming, and you will uh, see a little tab that says Join the Launch Team. Or just go to the show notes, kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 203, and you will find all the information there. Also, um, are you getting ready for the fall yet? I know, I don't want to talk about it. It's July, right? You're like, uh, yeah, but August for a lot of you is coming, and for the rest of us, it's September. And you got to have your volunteers trained. So how do you do that, and how do you do that well? Research suggests that church training meetings typically get about a 60% attendance rate on average. That's not great. That means that almost half your volunteers aren't trained. They're not aligned with your culture, not aligned with your value. Let's be honest, they're not aligned with basic safety information, like you're just not equipping your team. What if you could get that to 100% of your volunteers trained? And what if you could do that in the next 30 days, 60 days? You got to go and check out trainedup.church. Uh, because we got a special 10% discount for you for life. And here's what you'll get. There's been some huge, huge, huge improvements to the platform. They keep updating. And what you'll find now is there's password-free logins for your entire team. So it's just really easy to use. 
Um, there's ministry areas. So if you're trying to train your guest services team, they don't have to worry about what's happening in kidsmen. Your kidsmen people don't have to worry about what's happening in your tech team training. And basically, if you need to train your volunteers, you can do it all digitally. They can access it on their phone. That's why you get 100% participation. And uh, you're like, okay, that's great. I don't have the time to like do all the training videos. Guess what? They have over 600 videos on volunteership, leadership, biblical training. Uh, they're organized, they're easy, ready to use. Or, of course, you can totally do your own training, upload it. You know, there's over 6,000. I think I saw a recent stats, Scott said, more like 10,000 minutes per month of training being uploaded. And trainedup.church has been used to train over 20,000 volunteers. So, it's going to be right for your church. To see more or learn more, go to trainedup.church and use the coupon code CARRY to get 10% off your service for life. So that's C-A-R-E-Y. Well, hey, uh, man, I'm excited to jump right in. Here's my conversation with author, host, uh, leader, uh, really a guy who loves helping other people find their voice, Sam Collier. Well, hey, Orange Conference, we are so glad that you guys have joined us on the live stream. My name's Kerry Newhoff, and uh, I just want to welcome everybody who's watching Orange Conference for all of you who are part of Rethink Leadership, and for those of you who may have jumped on because you're podcast listeners. So we're doing something brand new, and whenever you're doing a live event, I got to tell you, it's, it's interesting. So uh, we had a scheduling mix-up with John Townsend, so he can't be here. So I said to my friend, Sam Collier... Hey, buddy, can you help us out? Oh, yeah, I'm in here. And so you're going to be Dr. John Townsend. Okay, I'll be Dr. John Townsend. And, and with those glasses. Am I a little darker than him? Or No, I think I couldn't tell the difference okay. personally, Sam. <laughs> I couldn't. I thought, you know, I spent yesterday with John and right, you. And right, right, right. I kind of thought you were We're John. the same person, right. But, you know, with those glasses, they're so impressive okay. that I think you you could be a doctor. Okay, that, well, okay that's why I put them so on. I'm I think call you, it was God. I gotta call you Doctor Sam Collier. Okay, go. All right, all yeah, right. Does that yeah. work? It, perfect. Perfect. Your wife Tony. Your wife and my wife share names. Tony's right. 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 Way. There's so, nobody better. Right. Hey Sam, I want to thank you so much no, for yeah. stepping in. I mean, we've known each other for a while, and Sam actually is scheduled to be a podcast guest of mine. And so we just happened to be in the building, and I'm like, well, we're going to do that interview right now. Right now. Now is right the time now. here at Orange Conference. And it's a good day because <laughs> yesterday, the day before, you released a brand new book called Find Your Voice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and this is awesome. So I want to get into your story a little bit. Yeah, sure. Because you did not grow up to privilege, did you, my friend? No, no, not at Tell all. Tell us about that. Well, it's interesting because my first line in the book is, I wrote this book because I was set up to fail. Wow. And you were set up to fail. I was fail. set up to fail. I was born into a family um, where my mother was addicted to crack cocaine. My goodness. My father was addicted to crack cocaine. He left the picture. She had three kids. Wow. And then she has me and my twin sister. That's five kids, age 21, on welfare. And, uh, and, um, and she was prostituting at the time as well. And so they, they gave us up for, she gave us up for adoption because she's yeah. like, I don't have enough money to take care of the three I already have. Now I have two more. And she just sent us into the foster care system. And you know, we know statistics about yeah. foster care. And I mean, they say, I don't know if it's 30 to 40% of folks that end up in prison were in the foster care system first. It's huge. It's huge. So I was set up to fail. I was, I was just, I was thrown into this world, into a crazy situation. How many foster homes were you in? Oh, just, I mean, I got adopted early. We did, we ended up oh, getting adopted. adopted. So two to five months in, 
my parents came and adopted us. But that's that's still such a tough start. Oh yeah, still for sure. For Sam, sure. I gotta ask you: when you were a kid, when you were a teenager growing up, yeah. How did you? How did you? sort of assimilate all that mm-hmm. and then was there a moment where you thought this doesn't have to be my story hmm. for sure but I, I will be honest um, that moment didn't come until I was getting ready to lose the opportunity that I've been given Wow! and, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about it even yeah, today yeah. on main stage yeah, tell us. this afternoon about how my dad was a preacher and the ones that adopted me. You're, okay, you're, you're uh, yeah. yeah, 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 your my adopted father. <laughs> right. he, he was a preacher and I, I was going to church with him every Sunday, Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, um, but I was living two lives. Hmm. I, was, I got introduced to pornography in third grade. Wow. Um, third grade? Third grade. And that went porn on. Porn in third grade. Porn in what third grade. What did that do to you as a young man? I mean, porn is an yeah. epidemic, something yeah. like 90, I don't know. I don't want to make up stats, but yeah. like, there's a lot of guys who yeah. in the church, outside the church. Yeah, it's just their daily consumption pattern. What did that do to you as a kid, man? Well, it it created this lust thing in me mm-hmm. that went on for, well, really, I mean, nine, 16, from third wow. grade to sixteen. And so, you know, I'll share this with you because we're friends. Right? Yeah, 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 that's right. Nobody's listening. Nobody's Don't listening, worry. and Nobody's I'll share listening. this with you. But from eighth grade probably to 11th grade, man, I had, I mean, almost 30 girls in high school just messing wow. with in some type of sexual way because of what I've been exposed to when I was in third grade. And to answer your first question, when the whole thing changed for me, yeah, um, I, I was living in secret. I got suspended from school for 30 days. I'm going to talk about this today when, at 16. Because I got caught goodness. with a girl in school doing something. I wanted, you know, living that double life. Nobody knew I was doing this. My parents found out for the first time. I mean, it's been going on since for third you, grade. Yeah, yeah. And they found out for the first time that I was living another life. My dad sat me down. This was my, this was my turning point. And I thought I was going to be unpunished, man. I thought I was, you know, you're never yeah. leaving the house again. He says, right. here's the deal. At this moment in your life, we've taught you everything that you need to know. If you end up getting somebody pregnant, you got to take care of the kid. If you end up in jail, you got to get yourself out. But at this moment, we're giving you your life back. So no punishment, no anything. You decide what you wanted to be. What a wise father. Unbelievable. My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. And I met your dad. You did I meet mean, my dad. I, He's I 80, met your dad. 83 now. 83. 83 years old. So there's like this 60-year gap or yeah. whatever, you know, 50-year gap. Wow. Yeah. Sam, that's incredible. What did that double life do to you? Because I think there's a lot of people. I mean, my goodness, we live yeah. in an era where leader after leader is falling, and it's yeah. like, oh, we didn't know this about you. We didn't know this about you. Yeah. What did that – because I, I had not a version as extreme as yours, but I had right. a version of that in my late teens, early 20s. Mm. Until, you know, where what I believed and how I lived were very separate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the story of most of my adult life has been one of of making sure that we're as congruent as possible. Right. But what did that do for you as a young adult trying to find his way in the world who who already had a tough start? Yeah. What was going on in your mind? It taught me one huge lesson that I try to tell every young adult, every high school student every person in my life, every friend, that you cannot serve two masters. Mm. 
Wow. You cannot serve two masters because one will cancel out the other. I remember the night my dad gave me my life back. Yeah. I went in my room and I prayed to God and he said that to me. He said, here's the deal. Right now, it's either your dreams or it's failure. And the route that you're going now, this sin that you're submitting yourself to, yeah. this other, this negative lifestyle, you can't do both. So, right. And I had dreams at the time. I'm like, I want to be this, I want to be that. He said, well, you can't do both. This is going to destroy that. So choose today who you're going to serve. And I got saved actually that night. I gave my life to Christ that night. My goodness. In my room. By myself, no praise team, no choir, no, no choir, <laughs> no altar call, right? No, no worship, right? no pastor. Right. Just because I knew the truth, I just had not submitted myself to the truth, and so I learned that night you can't serve two masters, and I had to choose who I was going to serve. How did you break the addiction? <sighs> I think uh, T.D. Jake says it best, and I'm only saying it this quick because it's been something I've said before, mm. right? Mm. But it did not happen this quick. Yeah. Um, it, it was a struggle. It was a struggle after struggle after struggle yeah. after struggle. Oh, 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 oh. Um, but he said, whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you starve mm. will die. Wow. And so he said, I, I remember I was at a conference. He said, there's some of you guys that are struggling with addiction. You're struggling with a sin pattern that yeah. you cannot get out of. Right. And so you're going to have to starve it. And it won't happen overnight, but the more you starve it, it'll start dying. That's good advice because I think everybody who's struggling with anything, whether yeah. it's a sexual addiction, whether it's overeating, whether it's alcohol, thinks, yeah. I'm just going to wake up. I'm not going to want to do it anymore. That's right. That's right. And the reality is, I, I think that's really good advice. You starve it yeah. and eventually the desire, you know, mm -hmm. your obedience, your, your emotions catch up with your obedience. Yes. And, and he also told me, um, and, and I'm saying he told me he was at a conference, right? He, he wasn't yeah, talking yeah. directly to me, yeah. but I was listening. He also said, you've got to replace it with purpose. So as you're starving it, you're still going to have that thing. Right. Coming, but in it, you want to run after God with everything that you have. You want to get into your gifts. You want to pursue your dreams. And eventually your taste for the sin will go away because it'll, it'll want to taste this more. Right. So. No, that's really good advice and, and, and a really helpful approach. Um, I heard you say something last year that really kind of rocked me to the ground. And I don't know that you remember it or not, but we were on Orange Tour together. You were speaking and yeah. you were talking about difficult people. You know, sometimes in the church world, we call them extra grace required people, right? But you said something, and I'm paraphrasing, so I don't know whether yeah. I got it right or not, but you, you said... Um, Never expect anything out of someone that wasn't put into them. Mm. Do you remember that? Yes. Can you yes. unpack that for us? <laughs> that was so good. I mean, my wife and I have talked about it because there are some people in our lives that, you know, are just kind of frustrating or, you yeah. know, it's like, oh, yeah. what again, are you doing? again. <laughs> and, and I love that. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, I think on multiple levels that truth hits me. I'll start at the bottom and I'll yeah. say, we, we, we have a nonprofit, which we'll talk a little bit even more about today at Orange, where we go into the inner city and we teach inner city kids that they can win by changing their mind. They can, yeah. When they change their mind, they change their life. But here's the, here's the thing that we know. When we go into that school and we tell them new things and we try to get them to be a different way, they just do what's, they, whatever is in them just comes out. It doesn't matter. I mean, you, well, they eventually get it, but when you tell them they're great, when you tell them this, they're just kind of like, what? I mean, when you tell them to pursue dreams, they just run away from it. 
And a lot of people, like a lot of my volunteers that come with me or folks that have joined me on the journey, they get frustrated. They're like, what? We're investing in these kids. We, we're showing up. And they do. They go that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, everybody, I think anybody who's invested in anyone in ministry, has right? had that experience, <laughs> right? Where you're like, I poured so much of my life yeah. into this kid, and he is going the wrong way. The wrong way. And so what I to, what I told them is, I said, you're expecting something to come out of them that's never been in them. Mm. You want them to be responsible. They, they've never learned how to be responsible. You want them to make better choices. They've never learned to make better choices. My, yeah. my sister and I, we'll, we'll talk, I guess, maybe about this a little later. You know, we won the Steve Harvey show. Right. Three, three years, three or four years ago, we met our biological family for the first time. Wow. So adopted at two months or five months, whenever it was, did, never met our family, didn't even know if they were alive. It was a close, it was like private adopt, whatever. And then 25 years later, we meet them for the first time on national television. My goodness. But the part I wanted to tell you about was backstage before we went on. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad is look, my adopted dad. He's looking at my sister because my sister is like, she's kind of out of it. She's kind of like, I don't know if I want to do this. Right. What if she doesn't want us? Da, 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 you know, and my dad's just like, you know, suck it up. Da, da, you know, he's just, <laughs> right, right, right. You're going <laughs> to do this. this. You're gonna he's do like, this. you've been fine. You you're an engineer now. You da, 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 da. And she's like, but what if she doesn't want us? I mean, she, she breaks down. What if she doesn't want us? How can she keep having kids? And that, like, she breaks down. She finally meets her. We have a good day. You know, it's a cool day. Yeah. She goes right back to the same thought, a little bit less, after we meet them. Still to this day. How could she keep having kids when she already was failing with the three? My sister just cannot, even because she's get that logical mind. And what I've talked to her about, which we talk about often, I said, hey, here's the deal. She did not learn basic problem solving because where our mother came from, she was, it was constantly, she was constantly in a, in a, in a state of uh, being unsafe. Yeah. And so when you don't have stability, you just grasping for anything. And I said, but with me and you, we grew up with stability. And now we weren't rich. We no. weren't poor, we were middle class, but we had stability. We right. weren't worrying about people shooting outside. And you had parents outside, who loved you, who and you could us. trust them. Yeah, so we learned how to problem solve. I said, so yet again, even my sister, you're expecting something out of my mom that was never in her. Hmm. That's why she made those decisions. And so I think that same principle goes on with people that hurt us, um, that we want to do business with, that do the deal wrong, that we're following leaders who have not been trained, all these other things. We're expecting a leader to promote us and to be, but they, they've never been promoted. They, they don't know what that feels like. They, they haven't dealt with that. So. so here's your Dr. Townsend question. Um, <laughs> so I can see people going, okay, that's really helpful, but does that mean then that I just accept their bad behavior yeah. or how do you set a boundary then? Like, yeah. do you see your parents anymore? Or you yeah. met them once? Or like, what kind of relationship do you have with your biological parents this now? Is per I love this question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So here's a couple of things. We met our family. Um, some of them are still in, I mean, I went to see them in Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, no beds. Wow. No, mat no uh, mattresses, you know, no uh, pillows in the couch, you know, just, and my brother's doing, he's doing, he's doing good. He's, he's pursuing his master's and. But the rest is just... The rest is just like... Just like, whoa, whoa, like whoa, Like what? Like yeah. a crack house kind of thing, right? Yeah, just, I mean, poor. Extremely. Yeah. I mean, kids running around. I mean, it's just... But I love them. Um, I do. I love them with everything wow. I got in me. <laughs> but what I had to tell my sister is, you know, uh, 
because we were getting bombarded by our family that we'd never met on Facebook and Instagram. And it was just, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. And she's like, whoa. <laughs> you know uh, yeah, 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 she's yeah. She's like, you what love me. You? I don't even know you. They're like, call me, let's hang out, let's do this. And she's like, whoa. Even our brothers and sisters. And me and I, again, I, because I do some work in the inner city, I kind of understand. But what I wanted to explain to her was, I said, you know, that they have not learned, not all of them, but some have not learned emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. So they're moving into things really fast. I said, so what, one of the things I had to do, because she called me, she said, because my sister, she's just like, she deactivated her Facebook. It was, <laughs> wow, wow, it was that bad. It was that intense. She was like, I can't deal with this. I'm, you know, I said, here's the deal. It's okay. I said, but you're going to have to set boundaries. Doesn't mean that we can't have a relationship. Right, right. Because I, I, I want to be in a relationship, but I know that I'm going to have to be the one, one, to not expect something to come out that has been put in, right. but then two, to set a proper boundary for me and them so that we can ease our way into this relationship. And so to answer the question of, well, how do you do, do I accept it? No, I think one, the one answer is yes, you do accept it. But you don't accept it in terms of letting yourself be walked over or be hurt by, right. their, by their discretions. You accept the idea that that's never going to come out until it comes out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give up on that. You stop expecting them to be respectful. You stop expecting them to show up on time. You stop expecting them to do the deal the way you, you, you have accept it. Now, build a strategy around how y'all can be in a relationship. Right. What's a great boundary for you guys? How did you learn all this? <sighs> Man, I was, um, I, you know, people ask me, I've been through a lot. Yeah, you have. Um, you, you, I dealt with, a, you know, being abandoned my whole life. Mm. Um, I, we had great parents, so let me say that. So um, they, they, they did everything they could to never let us feel abandoned. And so I, I, I didn't feel it often, but I had to think about that idea often. What does that mean? I, I was working at a church, 25,000 strong. It went from 25,000 down to 3,000 one year after a church scandal. I was over young adults, college, high school, middle school, praise teams, choirs, bands, a little bit of youth strategy environments. My goodness. And I thought I was going to leave the faith. I'll talk a little bit more about that today, too. Um, but when you go through that and you're leading through, I stayed for a year into that. When you're leading through the fire and you go through bad record deals and you deal with abandonment, you just, you got to grow up fast. Mm. And so I've been let down a ton. I've, I've been hurt a ton. And I just have had to get up every time. I, I, and I don't know if that was my dad. I don't know that that taught us that my adopted dad. I don't know where that came from. But I think I grew up always having to push past my circumstances. Yeah. And, and to make the decision, am I, like you said, am I going to be a victim of my circumstances? Or am I going to choose what I want my reality to be? Because there, if there's new mercies every day. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> God can give me the ability to live a greater story than the one that I'm living. So. Well, and it's, it's been remarkable. I mean, I've known you for a few years, and I've just watched your influence grow incredibly. So, uh, you know, one day you're helping out with a few things. The next day you're on a main stage. <laughs> then, you know, you were hosting at Catalyst. You've hosted at some of the biggest churches in the nation and some of the biggest events in the country. Yeah. Um, how, because there's lots of people who are interested in platform. They're like, yeah. you know, I want to get that kind of voice. Uh, <laughs> clearly you did not have a silver spoon in your mouth. No. <laughs> um, you know, that, that, that was definitely the case, Sam. So yeah, yeah. what have been some principles for you or some um, steps that you took 
that help you. Um, and I mean, I don't want this to come off the same way. You're not building a platform for Sam. You're trying right. to use the gifts God has given you, et cetera. Right, right. But what has been the key to gaining that kind of influence that quickly? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, one, let me say, quick example. I think this will lead us. We took 30 young adults on a three-year journey, all Christians, mm-hmm. master's degrees, doctorates, all these things, predominantly minorities, for three years, and we were answering the question, how do you get into your purpose? For three years, because they were frustrated. It's, one of the, it's, it's actually a passion point of mine. I don't think the church, not all churches, but a lot of churches don't do a good job of helping people become more than ministers and worship leaders. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> you know, it's like, how do I go and be the church? What is, you know, and so we have all of these dreams, but we don't know how to take them from zero to 60. So we started walking with uh, these young adults. And we learned strategies, which I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. We learned, um, we sat with folks that had wisdom and knowledge. But then there was something that happened that was so interesting. We had folks writing life plans and building strategies and meeting with mentors and, and all of that helped. But then every now and then, each one of them would have a moment in their story where something crazy would happen. And you're like, and not crazy in a bad way. It's like, you were where and who showed up and how did you meet that person and what? And I said, okay, hold on. We've strategized everything but this aspect. Right, right, yeah. And it was the God factor. It was like, what keeps happening to folks? And now there were some people that it did not happen for them, right? right? They didn't have special moments. But then we would put a certain equation together, and all of a sudden they would, have, they would start having special moments. And what we realized was, you know, the, the Bible speaks about us all having gifts. And it says for each gift that we have, God's given us a grace for that gift. Like, you have a grace to be a, a lead pastor, a communicator, yeah. a pod... I mean, your podcast is everywhere. I mean, right, you know... but and. I think there are elements to your story that you would probably say that was just God. I, oh, uh, <laughs> 100%. I mean, while you're talking about it, I am thinking back to 2005 when I interviewed uh, or I invited a guy named Reggie Joyner. Yeah. The reason we're here sitting in this space, yes. this is his event. And I invited Reggie Joyner um, to come speak at a conference I was leading. I invited him two days earlier just to consult. We drove around, we became friends, and he got me in this door. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether you can stay in the door without a little bit of hustle right. to stay in the oh, room. No, you got, you got to work it, right? But, like, I couldn't have engineered that. There's no. there's no way. And Betsy Wright's right over there, and she set that up. I mean, That's she, what I'm she, saying. She's Betsy Garrett now, but <laughs> yeah, 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 she, she set right. that up, you know, and that whole thing. And that is, that is providence. Yeah. And yeah. even I agree. Like, people ask me, man, your blog, you know, all these leaders, millions of views a year, the podcast, millions and millions of downloads. How did you do that? And yeah. I'm like, well, I know my part. Right. I just there was strategy, write a couple there was times marketing, a week. There was content, there was, right. <laughs> but I can't, like, I'm, I'm pretty convinced if I did exactly what I did over again now, yeah. I'm not sure it would work. 100%. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's that, yeah, that yeah. X factor. And I think, I think anybody who says, oh, just follow my formula and it will work. Yeah. Well, hey, if you eat fewer calories... <laughs> then, then you burn, you will lose weight. Right, I mean, right, we know right, that right, works, right, right, but right. Like, 
blog three times a week and launch on a Tuesday, I don't know if that's going to get right, millions, right? right? And so I, I think to yeah. your point, with, I wanted to connect on that because I talk about that in this book too. Yeah, to, yeah. To find your voice, whatever. What we realized was that the X factor or how to help people get to that X factor. Because right. we all have the X factor. Is I think we have to surrender to who we've already been created to be. Right. Instead of trying to become what we think we ought to be. Ah, uh, I gave that advice to a leader this morning, you know. I said, you just have to find your own voice. Well, hey, <laughs> I, I stole your title. I'm sorry. Dude, you have to find your own voice. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, if I'm trying to be you, yeah, I'm trying to be Andy Stanley. I, I'm trying to be Elon Musk. That is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. The good news is I get to roll out of bed every morning and be me. Mm-hmm. And what comes out is is honestly what's inside my head. What comes out of you yes. is inside your head and your yes. heart. And I can do that fairly effortlessly every single That's day right. until I die. That's right. But if I'm trying to be somebody I'm not or stretch myself, like I, I believe in growth and all that. But if I'm fundamentally trying to be somebody I'm not, it's hard. Yes. It's hard. You just, you will manufacture energy and you'll be out of ideas in, yes. in minutes or seconds. Yeah, and, and what I love about you and your story and, and when people surrender to who they already are, it's like heaven has already decided to back you in your unique design. Oh, yeah. That's good. And that's, that's good. And that's how I think people get into that X factor. It's like when you surrender to who you already are, God's already planned it out. He's done this. He's done that. Next thing you know, stuff just starts happening. You're like, whoa, right. whoa. I mean, oh, 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 oh. But you showed up. I showed Step up. one is you showed up every day. Up. It's not every like I'm day. sitting here in my room. Waiting for my book contract. Oh, no, 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 um, no, 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 no. Where, where, where's the audience? I need the audience. Like, you're not doing that. So no. how did you start? Yeah, I mean, with Orange or yeah, just no, in no, general? Just, just in general, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, you know, for me, it's again, it started at that large church I was at. But after that, I went through a moment where... Um, I was trying to figure out where to go and who to be, and I was tired of putting my fate in the hands of other people and right. waiting on other organizations and other brands that may die one day or may do this or right. may do that. And so I really started spending some time in prayer and going, God, what do you want me to do? And he kind of gave me this vision of this nonprofit. And I said, God, I don't know anybody. And, you know, just me and my relationship, but, you know, God, I don't, in my prayer time, I don't know anybody that's in the school system. I don't know anybody there. And so you want me to start a nonprofit that goes into schools? Yeah. I don't know anybody in school. Right, right, right. It's not <laughs> and, gonna... Right. And I felt like he said to me, you just got to go show up. And I was like, what? I got really, I got really afraid. So I called a friend of mine. I said, we got to go eat. We sat down. I said, I feel like God's telling me to show up, but I've, I'm afraid of that. He said, well, what is faith if there isn't a little bit of fear? And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> he said, here's the problem with you. You, your relationship with God has been in the boat, but he, but now he's asking you to walk on water. Right. He's, he's saying, hey, come on now. It, it, now we, we played it safe, right? People have been walking you. They've been backing you. Whatever. But now I want you to walk out and step out and believe that as you do what I, maybe I'm showing you, as you move, that I'm going to be with you. So give us a list of what you do. Yeah. You are a speaker. Yep. You host events. Yeah. You're almost a professional host. <laughs> You've written your first book. Is this yes. your first? It's my first First one. book. Yep, yep. Um, you have a podcast called yep. A Greater Story a greater with story Sam Collier. With Sam Collier, yeah. And that's a nationally syndicated radio show. Yep. 
And you were just telling me before we went to air that you're switching to TV. Yes. So All right. we're so excited. Did I leave stuff off the list? Your uh, your husband? The orange, hus- orange. Oh, ho- husband, stepdad. Uh-huh. I mean, and, all the- and, and the whole the whole inner city uh, yeah. ministry yeah. with Orange, right? Yeah. Oh, one of, yeah. Directive City Strategy here yeah. at Orange, helping us uh, change our products and invite new leaders in from different contexts. And I'm excited about the TV piece because we just closed the deal with NRB. And so we're going to move off of radio, still keep the podcast, but we're going to be now on NRB Weekly. It's about 45 million homes. Wow. Direct TV, Apple, Roku, all How of How did that work? Things. Man, it just, um, you know, I, it's like you said, showing up again. I, I started seeing a vision. I always think, you know, we talk about faith without works. I always think the, I always think the works come first before, like, God starts moving. And right. The, it's like, no, I want you to work, and then I'll meet you. I'll... You move first, and then I'll then meet I'll you. Yeah. And so I think for me, I felt like the Lord was showing me a TV thing. It was I was reading the book called The One Thing, and it was you know. Oh yeah, 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 Gary one, Keller. Gary Keller. And what's the one thing you can do that makes everything else easier or just unnecessary, like in your life? Because I didn't, you know, like you said, I, the the great thing about um, having a lot of opportunities. And people valuing a lot of things about you is that you can go 500 different oh, directions. Oh, no, you can. You can be never scattered get anything in no done, time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I started meeting with great leaders like you and Reggie and all types of folks. And they would say, you got you to consolidate so you can focus, so you can take one step forward. Mm-hmm. And so I started trying to figure out what is that one thing that I can do? And TV was, I said, man, if I can just pursue TV and do ministry and simplify it down to that, maybe I'll gain a little bit of traction on using my gifts well. And so TV was one of those things. So I started praying about it. And then I said, you know what? Let me just start taping episodes. So the podcast like this, I would do, I would tape everyone. Right. We didn't tape ours, even though I should have, but that's before. No, no, I, was I like, know. <laughs> I remember doing that. Well, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. This time we'll do it. So you invest in video kit like this yes, and you got lights that. and the whole deal. Video light. I spent a ton of money. Well, let me not say a ton. I started yeah. spending a lot of money. But you invested. It. Yeah. I paid videographers, edit and uh, to edit and all of that. And then I started calling my friends. I said, hey, I've got 10 episodes. I want to, let's pursue a network. And, and they're like, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm, like, they're, I'm like, just call somebody, see what they think. And so a friend of mine, he's actually coming today. His name's Matt Abels. He started, he said, well, I know some people. He started contacting people. And here's what I learned. What I learned is that the content hubs have the same problem as the content providers. Okay. The content hubs, like your, your, your networks and your radio stations, they need content. Right. It's like right. we got 24 hours a day. Right. We need content. And then the content folks that are providing it, they need a hub. So right. we, we both, but nobody knows that. And so we're just on the other side looking at each other like, oh, I hope I get an opportunity. But what we don't realize is that they're waiting on you. And I've been waiting move. on them to move. So I did the episode. I think preparation was key, big principle. I didn't just go and say, hey, I want to do this. Can y'all back me? I said, no, I've already done it. Can you air it? Mm. And they said, actually, we've been waiting on something like this. We love it. You have great guests. You got folks like Kerry Newhall. You've got <laughs> folks like Carlos Whitaker and Bob Goff and all these folks. We, we, wanna, we want you to be on our network. And so that, that literally happened at Catalyst West two weeks ago. That's I got incredible. The call. And it's just, That's just God. Incredible. Just so, so, but you had to move to do that. I had to move. If you're giving advice to people who are like, you know, I got a message in me I want to get out there, whether that's a podcast, a book, a blog. Yeah. What, where do they start? Yeah. I think, I think they start with the content, but here's a big piece that I think people miss. And I think you, you can attest to this and probably take it to the other level because you're the king of this. You get your idea 
you do the idea, you write the book, you write the book, you write the blog, you start doing the podcast, but then you have to, before you even launch it, you have to craft a strategy. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. I know folks all that they come to me and they go, and this is no knock. I'm just I'm right. really getting this passionate because I love it. I want people to win. They come up to me and they go, man, I want to start a podcast. I want to get it. I want to do this. I want to do that. How do you, what do you think I should do? I said, well, here's my first question. Who's going to listen? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Other than your mom. Other than your mom, I'm mm-hmm. like, and they're like, I, mean, I think people want this content. I'm like, here's the deal. I, I've done interviews with some of the biggest names in Christianity, and some of them have only gotten 20 listens. Yeah. Because, and you know, because I did not strategize how to get it out. Yep. The name alone is not going to care. And so I learned from those mistakes. Okay, before I interview, I'm going to have to now craft a strategy for marketing and getting this out. Totally. And now tell me if this isn't true as well. Yeah. Because everyone wants to land the big fish. It's like, if I can get Andy Stanley on my podcast, if I can get Craig Rochelle, if I yeah. can get you know, Elon Musk, just to pick some names out of the air. And I've had Andy and Craig, not Elon. Right, 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 right. You know, you assume, oh, this is going to blow it up. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily. (laughs) And what surprised me, I mean, those episodes always do extremely well. They do well, for sure. They do very well. But sometimes it's the guy nobody's heard of or the woman nobody's heard of that for whatever reason, the content resonated. Mm -hmm. You provided the the method for Mm -hmm. it getting out. And it's the one that soars. It's the one that soars. You know, I, I, I have one of my top 10 last year was with a friend of mine. We're having dinner Sunday night. Wow. I've known her and her husband for years. Wow. She goes to our church and she has her own podcast. Yeah. But, you know, a little bit in Canada, not so much in the U.S. Her episode had like, I don't know, 60,000 downloads last year. Wow. And it was, it was just how to talk to your friends about your faith. It was the content. And, yeah. and like nobody knew who she was or most people didn't. But but she killed it, and yeah, yeah. Uh, that the, you know the internet doesn't lie. Right, it doesn't right? lie. It to you. does not it lie. It gives you exactly what you need when you need it. It tells, it tells you the tells truth. You when you've been doing a good job, yeah. when you've been doing not such a good job, man. There's so many other places I know we're running because we're doing this live. Yeah, and I want to thank you. You know, I think this is providential. No, I really I, do. I definitely like. I, I think this was providential. And I just want to say because I know you got some of your folks listening in and yeah. watching that, you know, as a black man. Mm. You have impacted my life in unbelievable ways. When I met you in that car with Reggie Joyner in Austin, Texas, we went from Austin to Dallas, you spoke so much life into me every time. And this is a piece of this. I think surrounding yourself with people that believe in you and push you, you've always been that person for me. Anytime I've had an idea, anytime I want to do something, you, you reach out randomly. Hey, Sam, I see you. Yeah. Keep moving. Keep going. And I just want to say thank you to you because you really have impacted. You've helped me find my voice. Well, <laughs> if I played a little part in that no, 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 story, part, I'm incredibly part. thankful. And yeah. Sam, I just got to say, I'm learning a lot. So I'm yeah. a Canadian, as, as a lot of you know. Yeah. And um, one of the, the dialogues, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of racial tension in the United States, and I'm yeah. not pretending it doesn't exist in Canada. Yeah. But it's different. That's it's right. different. That's right. And one of the things I'm learning, Lee Jenkins and I had dinner the other night, and you know Lee. Lee. Great guy. <laughs> I love Lee. <laughs> He's just like, to people like me who are trying to figure this out, it's just like, you need to listen. Yeah. You need to appreciate it. And he said something to me that was really, really interesting. He said, mm. it is much easier for a black man to walk into a white church and try to fit in, but I have to give up part yeah. of my culture. Yeah. I have to give up part of my music. Yeah. I have to give up part of my, my identity and my past to do that. 
He said, very rarely do white people walk into a black person's world yeah. or into their culture. Yeah. And I noticed even here at Orange Conference, uh, we were singing, can I just say non-white music? This morning. Yes. Yeah. And the and other night when yes, we opened. Yes, 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 we were. And I we texted were. Lee, and I should have texted you. And I, now I'll say one more thing that, that Andy has said publicly. Yeah. Andy Stanley. Um, but you're on a text chain with Andy, right? Yep, yep. You and a couple of others. Me and so Joseph Joe, Sojourner, yep. Yeah, yep. and Andy, Andy as a leader, and I, my respect is so huge for him, yeah. has said, Sam, as a white guy, you know, born in the United States, there's yeah. things I'm not going to understand about your situation or whatever. Yeah. And he told a whole bunch of us, you weren't in the room, <laughs> but he told a whole bunch of us that you and Sojo have permission to speak freely mm. and to go, Andy, when you said this, mm. blank, 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 you know, yeah. it did not help us at all. Or this is what <laughs> it felt like. And tell me, what has that felt like to you to be invited into that kind in of that circle? Space. Man, it... Um It's been a great honor, for one, um, because the same thing with Reggie. Yeah. Um, anytime something happens. I mean, it's, again, 10 years ago, you couldn't have told me I'd be in those, type of, those types of conversations. Yeah. Um, but I think being a communicator at North Point, leaving a predominantly black church, coming over, having to learn a new culture and go through everything I had to go through, I got hit from both sides. It's interesting we did the skin in the game piece, and I'm leading up to how I feel about all of this. Yeah. We did the skin in the game piece where... That was the a whole, series at North yeah, Point or a week at North Point. The whole yeah. Dallas shooting happened, and Andy brought me and Sojo on stage, and you know, he, he, he was asking us about, you know, do you, are you afraid of white police? I mean, we went through all of these different things, and we did every... I mean, me, honestly, between me and you and everybody else... <laughs> and everybody <laughs> right, else. Before we went on stage, me and Sojo looked at each other. We said, well, if we go down... At least we're going down again. <laughs> <laughs> I've had moments like right. that. If we're going down, we're yes, going down together, because right? Here's what, here's what we knew. Right. We knew that North Point was a 80% Republican congregation. And we knew that a ton of our black friends and black folks would be watching this, and we were going to get hit on both sides. And so we mm. were trying to do our best to walk the line of, okay, how do we say enough but how do we bridge the gap? And after that, I mean, we got a ton of great responses, but we got hit from both sides. Black people didn't think we said enough. White people thought we said too much. And, we, and so that's been my journey for the last two or three or four years mm. in these circles is going, how do I be a bridge in the middle of this? And I think that because of that sacrifice, God has opened some doors for us to be able to speak into some different places. But, but again, I mean, last night, I, if I was just with the shit this with you last yeah. night, last night I was on the phone um, with some minorities just talking about orange and they were trying to understand some different things and I was literally standing in the gap and going, all right, when we did this, here's what this means, here's where this comes from, here's Reggie's perspective. Like, oh, that makes sense. But I'm always having to, but it, it comes, so I think the blessing comes with the burden. Mm. Well, you know what, Sam? But I, I gotta, love it. Let me say I that. I gotta <laughs> say, I'm learning from you Yeah. and uh, I'm watching God move you and I remember that drive. That was what, a three or four hour drive you from Austin that to Dallas. You looked at me and you said, God's gonna do something with you. And he is. And I saw something in you. You know, Brian Houston says, find the golden people. Mm. I saw golden you. And what I saw was probably I saw myself. I saw mm. somebody who just needed to believe in me. Mm. And uh, man, I believe in you, Sam. And I'm learning from mm. you. 
And um, you guys, you really ought to pick up, like find your voice. It's a good short read. You could you could actually read this on a flight. You can read on a flight. That you can read it I on a flight. I wanted to be short. So people just and uh, God's doing incredible things with you, yeah. Sam. I'm grateful for your friendship. Yeah. I'm so thankful for your leadership. And um, I'm very grateful to Reggie Joyner, too, for sort of brokering this dialogue yes. about how um, yes. where in culture we are divided, whether that's along race lines or economic lines or whatever, yes. Yes. Um, where we can learn from each other and we are better together and we can move forward as one voice. That's right. Sam, thanks so much, buddy. Don't make me cry, man. <laughs> listen, listen. This has been great. Wow. And thanks for watching our very first live uh, podcast. You'll hear this later, listeners, on My Leadership Podcast. For those of you joining us on the OC live stream. Wasn't that an amazing conversation? Hey, if you guys want more, go to the show notes. You can find it all at leadlikeneverbefore.com. Just search Sam Collier or go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 203. You will find everything. Hey, I got to say congrats to everybody who won. Uh, we gave a lot of coffee away last week from Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. And uh, yeah, for all of you who won, thanks for all of you who tried. Man, we're going to do that again. Uh, we're actually at 6 million downloads on the podcast too, which is really cool. 200 episodes, 6 million downloads. Crazy. You guys make it possible. Here's what I'd love you to do today. If you've got a business leader in your church who you think could benefit from this podcast, would you send them the link? You can do that via email, via text, because we have a pretty killer lineup coming up when it comes to business leaders. Um, so in the next couple of weeks, I've got Les McEwen coming back, and he talks all about visionaries, operators, and processors. Um, Bobby Grunwald is here. We're talking about first mover advantage, innovation, AI, and the marketplace. Elliot Crowther is one of the co-founders of PushPay. As a 24-year-old, he had this idea he thought could make a difference. Uh, well, seven years later, he's got a $300 million company valued at over a billion dollars. We talked to him. We've got, who else? Oh, um, Nancy Duarte, John Gordon, Patrick Lencioni, um, Daniel Pink, and regular share of church leaders as well. Max Lucado, let's see, Brady Shearer is back. Andy Stanley is talking about his brand new book. And Levi Lusco, Rachel Cruz, uh, a whole lot of others. So it's gonna be a great lineup over the next few months. And uh, I think business leaders, while we hear from them all the time, they would love it. So if there's someone in your church that you think would enjoy that, just send them the link. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to head on over and check out trainedup.church before you're done today. And make sure you get your church totally trained for this fall. Well, we are back next week with a fresh episode. I'm talking to John Tyson. I love this conversation. John's a super guy. He's one of those people I've been trying to meet for a while and we've crossed paths numerous times, but we finally had a, a fantastic conversation. We talk about reaching cynics in New York City and what to do when the burden of leadership feels too heavy. It, it was a fascinating conversation. Here's an excerpt. But if the leader doesn't have that vision for the flourishing of the sheep, he will have to drive the sheep. And when you drive the sheep, the sheep scatter. So you have to unleash the dogs. And the dogs are fear, control, rewards, uh, exclusion from centers of power and belonging, those sorts of things. And so I've always tried to lead by vision and rather than driving from behind and unleashing the dogs of ministry. 
That's episode 204 coming down the pipe next Tuesday. If you subscribe, you get it all for free. You can do that at Apple Podcasts. You can do that at, uh, well, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, coming soon to Spotify. So uh, we're working on that. And uh, hey, thanks so much for listening. I'm looking forward to next Tuesday. Whatever you're doing today, I'm hearing from a lot of you who are mowing the lawn. A lot of you like me, ride your bike, uh, going for a run, uh, driving, commuting, cooking dinner, whatever you're doing, you're listening to this. I'm on your side, cheering for you. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll catch you next Tuesday. I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.